This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana silversmiths. Thanks to all our good supporters here at Everything According to Flint, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Pendleton Whiskey, of course, and Montana Silversmiths. Every buckle has a story. Speaking of good stories and a guy with some good buckles from Montana Silversmiths, in studio, the best kind. In the studio. In studio, the five-time PRCA announcer of the year, Wayne Brooks. My old, not old friend, long time. Long time. Friend, however, I did discover <laughs> on our way out here that... You are older than me. A uh, year. You a got year. me by a year. A year. Yeah, that's it. I'm 39 this year. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just 38. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> we're and, and the good news is neither of us are as old as my brother Will. There you go. Who has also sat in that chair. There you go. In town, it, I, I will say, and I told you this, the best kind of these, you can never beat the face-to-face. Right. So, whenever we, we kind of keep track here. Who's in town? Who can we get to the studio? And a few days ago, I, as we record this, I said, you know, the big uh, Billings Nile Pro Rodeo is coming up. Wayne Brooks is going to be in town. So uh, in town, Billings, you spent a little time here. You spent a couple of years here growing up. You like this place. I did. I love it here. I always have. Um, You know, I've been gone so long now away from uh, winters. I'm not sure that I could come back and not be allergic to the snow and cold, but, uh, you know, it's not near as bad here as it is a lot of places. So I always enjoyed it here, loved it. And when you're in, you know, that age, you don't even notice it. You don't even yeah. pay attention. Run out in your short sleeves and do something and run back in and don't even pay attention to it. Snow snow and cold when I was young was just <laughs> a, the next phase of the year. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. No put this deal. stuff away. Get this stuff out. By the time this releases and airs, I think it will have snowed here. Sure. I'm, sure. I'm going out on a limb here. <laughs> See how dumb I sound. I think they're looking at Sunday. It's yeah, so here this would be, now, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the Nile Pro Rodeo, I worked it at one time. I don't, I think we missed each other in that mm-hmm. part of our careers. I but we did. I, I've, I keep track of the Billings Rodeo. Of course, I live here, the Nile Pro Rodeo, but when I look at this rodeo, to me, it opens up a bigger topic and maybe you can address it better. 
The rodeo season with the PRCA used to end the 1st of November and October, whatever. So there was all these October rodeos that were, uh, some of them were called the last chance. I did one in South Dakota, one in Pasco, Washington. The Nile Rodeo in Billings used to be all those guys trying to make the NFR, that big rush. It was about five performances. Um, first, first topic. What... What kind of contestants or how has, has it affected rodeos like this in October? It's a little different feel now because this is the 2023 season already. Absolutely. You know, uh, Cal Palace was another one that was huge. Yeah. Huge yeah. money and, and lots of performances there as well for the end of the year, just as we were here in Billings. <clears throat> and it has changed. I think now we're seeing a group of contestants that – maybe their 2022 didn't end up exactly like they wanted to. So maybe you had some cowboys and girls that were laying out mm-hmm. in 2022 and waiting on October 1st to jump out and start 23. Because as as that person, would you, especially with fuel costs, the cost of everything, come about the 1st of August or middle of August, you say, I'm not going to make the NFR. Let's back it off. Yep, so I'm now done. kick it back up. I'm anyway, go money. Ahead. So yep. that, yeah, that, that's the whole premise of the whole deal because uh, – if you can start your 2023 with a bang and, you know, there's some optimism as this is a, you know, mid-election year and if things change and fuel prices and airplane tickets and, and uh, you know, the trains, planes and automobiles hauling all the good stuff around, watch that inflation perhaps come down. If there's some optimism with those kind of things, that all directly affects the travel business, right. which the rodeo is, you know, 80% travel. Yeah. Yeah, what you do in the arena is really important, but getting from point A to point B is a big part of the program. I've always said we never uh, being a world champion, whether you agree with it or not, or think it's a good thing. It, it isn't always. A lot of times, it's about the best one, but really, it's about the one that understands how to enter rodeos, how to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's who can go without sleep the longest, who can keep their horses healthy. It isn't always, the world champion isn't always the most talented or the best. A lot like the college basketball tournament. It's who's who does all, navigates all the other stuff. Logistically, can you sit down and figure it out better than the other guy? That's a big part of the program. Mm-hmm. I talked to Jackie Crawford <clears throat> who didn't quite make the top 15 this year in the breakaway open as she has for so many, many years and won her many, many WPRA world titles. I talked to her in Poway, California, the last weekend of September, one of the last rodeos of the year. And she was in a hurry warming up her horse, getting ready to rope because she was headed to Florida and New York and Maine that same weekend. That sounds fun to try to <laughs> just get those last few dollars in the bank account. She said, Oh my gosh, I've roped 75 calves in the last two weeks and I'm just not doing any good. So, yeah, there's a lot to gassing it and trying hard and knowing how to travel, where to get to, how to enter, borrowing horses, and uh, whew, it's it's a logistically challenging business. And for a lot of, lot of the guys and gals, the reality is if you end up 16th, that's a really bad year because a lot of them say their true money at the end of the year, the profit they make comes at the national final. Absolutely. Road. They've Absolutely. spent it all to get there. <clears throat> you can spend 100 thousand to make a hundred thousand right it's not that hard it's easy to do especially if you're flying in style well right yeah <laughs> look at that and look at it do do cowboys know 
fuel prices. I mean, <laughs> I always say a barrel racer has never had a poor day. I mean, I remember when fuel the first time hit $3 a gallon. I remember it because I was still going to Pendleton to the Pendleton Roundup. Mm-hmm. And I, I joked that I was the first rodeo clown ever to go to the Pendleton Roundup in a minivan. <laughs> I put all my acts, I, I, because I, I didn't have the big, a couple of the big stuff. And uh, when it hit $3 the first time, there was a joke that barrel racers don't even know the price of fuel. They don't, blah, blah, blah. I think this time, last time, $3 didn't hit as hard as this time with a $5 diesel. It really did. Did you see it at rodeos? Did numbers drop off? Could you tell the difference? Absolutely. And there's some other factors, some other spokes in the wheel that, that play a big part of that as well. We talked about it a little bit last night. But uh, yes, absolutely. And when we were at Reno in June, when this fuel prices and airline tickets and all this kind of started to build just a little bit, 9,000 team ropers there because of the BFI and all the other team ropings that are happening around the Reno rodeo. There were team ropers there in June talking about once 4th of July is over, we're done. We're going home. So, you know, we don't see those numbers go down in our timed events typically across the country throughout the year. Timed events usually stay up pretty good. But it's been pretty obvious in the rough stock events. You know, this fall, good, big $12,000, added rodeos per event. One or two bareback riders, two or three bull riders in a perf, you know, in a performance on a Friday night or even on a Saturday night. So, yeah, yeah we're seeing it. And how much you can contribute to those uh, economics, I don't know. But it's there. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a factor. <clears throat> It's kind of the second part of the, the Billings thing being in October. Why, why did that change? I don't remember. I remember when they changed from the 1st of November to the 1st of October as the end of the calendar year, as the end of the season. There was some big rodeos. They wanted it to finish up the year, kind of. Do you, why'd that happen? Do you, know, do you remember? You know, I don't remember, and I really can't answer that question, but I know that it probably, probably, probably has something to do with Las Vegas. You know, when we started there in Las Vegas, it was 10 nights rodeo, and that was it. 35 years later, there's a 100 ancillary events that happen around the NFR. Yeah, no shit. So that said, said, you've got an extra month of preparation for that culmination of our rodeo season, which is the NFR in December. So if you had... Only November to prepare everything that needs to happen in December. Wouldn't it be better if you had two months to prepare rather than one? Well, I think that has something to do The Super Bowl with only has two weeks, though. I don't necessarily agree with this, how it's done. <laughs> right. Because I like the October rodeos. I like to finish up strong with those rodeos where the Cowboys are. I do, too. Yeah, go, go, I do, go. too. I yeah. like that better. But I really can't answer the question. And, and there's not another sport. And I've learned through the years, I'm an other sports guy. You know that. Oh, yeah. Will's the same way, my oh, brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've learned through the years, we just can't compare rodeo to other sports. You can in some ways with the mentality of champions, blah, blah, blah. Psycho-cybernetics. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But how we as a sport, our, our season is over, but the Super Bowl's two months away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, as you know, here rodeos this month. Okay, as a, if I'm a saddle bronc rider and I made the National Finals rodeo, do I be really cautious and don't want to get hurt, or do I have to go to a place like Billings 
and ride to stay sharp and get ready for the next year. I see uh, the season leader in the bronc riding, Sage Newman from Montana, riding in Billings. Mm-hmm. Then you go, ooh, smart move, not a smart move. That's a tough call. Well, I'll tell you another one of the spokes in the wheel in that is uh, qualifying for the winter rodeos in the big winter rodeos. You've got to qualify and be in the top X of world standings from this year or last year or, you know, whatever, however they put it together to qualify to go to San Antonio and Houston, some of those. So that's probably on everybody's mind as well. The guy that finished 20th in the world – He's here. He's here. Trying well, to get right. those numbers yeah. up to where he can qualify and get down to Texas and and maybe Denver and Rapid City, the big building winter rodeos. You know, he got to be ready for those. But it's funny that we, I hear people all the time that rodeo got cowboys are like other athletes. They're, uh, it's like any other sport. But in essence, the season is all year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, hey, I, you know, airplanes. What do you do? The dreaded question. (laughs) I work for the professional bull riders and we talk. And if it's a lay person, inevitably, what's your guys' season? So for all those years, I said, well, we go first of the year to the middle of May and then we take a little break, but there's smaller minor league type events. And then we start up again and our world finals is in November. So all year. So right. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So then when the PBR said, we're going to have a season, mm-hmm. it's going to be end up as it is this coming year, the end of November to the middle of May. Mm-hmm. And guess who lost their minds? Fans. <laughs> oh, really? What the hell am I supposed to do the other <laughs> four <laughs> yeah, months? Right. Uh, I love watching the Green Bay Packers, yeah. but I can't watch them in the summer. I mean, right. it's funny how. Right, right. We disrupted the flow. Uh, yeah. Disrupted the whole flow. The river was rolling the way, <laughs> the way it's supposed to flow. Disrupted the whole deal. Yeah, yeah I, well, get I get that. You know, Wayne, that's how we've always done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just do it like we did last year. It, yeah, isn't that... That's, that's it, a famous one, too. We had that talk. And I'm definitely not... I, I mean, I'm still such a, you know, involved in rodeo. All my work at the NFR keeps me involved. But we, we joke about... Uh, the, the difference between what you do and what I do, I don't know that everybody understands is, you know, I have had people say, do you like working for the PBR better than you do working for the PRCA? I never worked for the PRCA. Right, right. They're all independently produced. So every weekend that you go, and a lot of people like it that way, every weekend I go, I know who I'm working with, what the, it's more of a concert tour. Every weekend you go, you're working for someone else, which is refreshing and sometimes makes you do this, sure, right? Sure, Yeah, I have 37, 38 bosses throughout the year. And, uh, you know, I know most of them pretty well and I keep in touch with most all of them. But, yeah, it can be challenging for sure because uh, there's not just one guy you answer to all year long. There's 37, 38 of them. And then, as you know, a lot of committees move. They'll re-vote and and have a different chairman and a different president. And and 99% of the time, that's a good thing because making changes is good. Fresh thinking, fresh ways, new sponsors, new events, new stuff, new, new, new. Right. Keeps us growing. And our event, just like any other event, if you don't change with the times, you'll get left behind. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's, as you know, a lot harder for some committees to do that. <laughs> hey, uh, 
Our, uh, hey, why don't we throw those T-shirts out after the steer wrestling? We've always done it after the calf rope. Right. Can we do it? At, no. How come? Because that's how we've always done that's it. That's the way it's done. <laughs> that's the way we do it. Hey, is, at what point, you know, I, <clears throat> even when I went and started going to just exclusively exclusively PBR stuff. For a lot of years, I went to Calgary with you and yeah. Bob Tallman and the Calgary Stampede. So it was kind of the one full rodeo right. I did and right. loved going up there. And it was tough. It got where it was tough physically. and sure. But you have to balance a frustration. I did because I wasn't used to it. Where you look around a table and you're going, I and I was not afraid to speak up and say, why are you doing it that way? It's a tough balance to go, I do this every week mm -hmm. and turn it over to them who do it once a year. Sure. You do have to balance that you can step up as someone who's seen it a lot and the respect to what they want. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And thank goodness that you and I have had lots and lots of uh, contact with committees that, that say, here's a brand new layout. Here's a brand new way we're going to do things we're going to change this and this and this and this and what do you think yeah though that's that's so nice to have because now as we did when we first started back in the 90s now we have enough tenure and enough uh, you know experience that most of the time committees will say we want to do this 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 and this but we also want your input yeah. what do you think is that going to work or is that not going to work what do you think yeah that's really really i nice. think you see it more yeah. I, I think committees do that more what do you think? I think I, so. Yeah. I think so because our entertainment has changed. Rodeo 50 years ago was a lot different than rodeo today. Yeah. A lot different. And so, you know, numbers and money and travel and entries and production and technology and music and sound and scoreboards and, 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 and all those things now have changed. And thank goodness, or else we probably wouldn't be alive today if we... Mm did it like we used to do in 50 or 60 years ago and same, 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 just the rodeo and everybody shows up and we have the events and we have some folks in the grandstands. Now it's, it's more of a production. It's more of a show and we have to go there. We have to. Yeah. Cause there's a lot to do. Yeah. You can be entertained in your house like this sure. or on your smart TV. Sure. So it, it's a tough balance though. It, it's that balance of holding on to the tradition that, people still want to see. I, I've said, you know, going PBR stuff, going to New York City, it's a whole different show. And we give a guy a million dollars at the end of the year and we're, we're in the heart of New York City, but they still want to see cowboys. Mm -hmm. They want all this, yeah, but they still got to be cowboys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want cowboys to make more money, but when they make more money, well, he's a sellout. I mean, it, there's all of these little contradictions in what we do that we still, we got to hold on. We got to change here, but hold on to that. Sure. sure. And that is, that's hard. Along that same lines. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, I kind of stole a little bit of this from your brother, Will, in the sense that he has said this, and you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. As soon as it comes out, this guy has done this, he's done this. He's an NFR. He's won this. He's been there. Basically what I'm trying to tell you is this guy's pretty good. That's a great story because here in the last few weeks, I've been to a couple different locations before I came here to Billings, but it's true that as a fan, if you don't know who our players are, it's okay 
because we do have the players here that will deliver. You may not know who Dan Mortensen is, but Dan Mortensen's the guy that can always deliver the high scores and the fast times as a Trevor Brazil in the timed events or, or on and on and on. If we have the guys that can deliver, it doesn't matter what his name is. Right. You as a fan are going to see a 85-point ride in the Bronc riding and a 7.9 in the tie down roping. Right. Those guys deliver. That And my reference with that is the Calgary Stampede. The greatest Cowboys forever have gone there. Invitational. You bet. bet. So you look up at those stands and there's 20,000 people and 18,000 of them know very little about rodeo. So, yes, you sell. Here is Casey Field and here's Tilden Hooper and a young gun rocker Steiner. But basically what we're telling you, you don't know those names. Yeah. They're really good. They're, these guys are They're good. good. Yeah. Okay, just watch. Yeah. That's a hard balance up. That it was is. a really hard balance up there. Well, and as you know, six, seven, eight thousand of those don't speak English. Yeah. European. That's true. Uh, Asian folks uh, from all over the world. No hobbling English at all. Yeah. You know, they're just there to, looks good. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. You know, and that's a I, good thing. We did in here one of my shows, I or a podcast not long ago. I just took questions from people. And uh, it was something about, do you think about going back to rodeos all the time? Of course. It's a big <clears> part of my life. And so I said my ultimate thing would be to pick 10 rodeos. And so I said, so I'll pick 10 rodeos. And I'd written them down. I got done. And off camera, Logan over here that helps me go, no Calgary? <laughs> there was on uh, my honorable mentions were Calgary and Hermiston, Oregon, I think. Yeah. No Calgary? And I think it was because it's hard. It, it's challenging. Yeah. It's challenging. But that brings up one of my favorite stories of all time, and that's the old turn the hat around deal. You did that. <laughs> you did that at least every year, if public not every service, day. Public oh, service announcement. Greatest thing in the world. Yeah, where are we? Because they give out. <laughs> do they time. sell them, or do they give out the white straw hats with the red band? I think both. Yeah, because they'd have a convention. Or, or if yeah. you're with a certain group of people, they'll give you one. So there's yeah. thousands of them in the grandstands. <laughs> Lift the hat here. If the tag is in the front, you look stupid. You're, it's on backwards. Turn it around. It, and we'd, do you remember we'd have the camera? The, the cameramen out on the stage would go, hey. Oh, yeah. I got one. And they'd turn and zoom in on somebody in the crowd. And we did that. Uh, maybe you don't remember. We had a guy, one performance, picked out for half the rodeo. And he never realized, we'd put him up there and he just never realized it was him. Let's go back to him. And we'd go back, sure enough, hat still on backwards. <laughs> it was always fun because we're not picking on one or two or 10 people. There's a thousand of them up yeah. there that don't know how to wear a hat. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, just take it off, take a look, turn it around. You know, that's, all, that's always been a, a topic with me. Um, we take such ownership of our, our lifestyle, sure. you know. Tell Tim McGraw to get a new hat. No, he, it's fine. Mm-hmm. He, uh, hey, shape your... Look at He doesn't shape his hat right. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Look at these people. Never wear a Western shirt and hat till the rodeo comes down. That's dumb. No, it's not. They bought them. They bought a ticket, too. So we do it for in fun. But Jason, what a, Jason Aldean, when he first came on uh-huh. scene... He doesn't look like a cow. He's got the keys and the hat and the T-shirt and it's just out. And how many millions and yeah. millions of CDs and yeah. songs if he, has he sold since then? I, I always, uh, and I've told this story on a show or two of mine that 
we had a, a guy that was a Blackhawk chopper pilot, Ryan Weaver, and sang some country music. And he toured around with us at PBR and sang some opening songs. And he had a black hat and it was shaped like a singer. And he said, Larry Mahan, that, it was a Larry Mahan hat sure. and came to him and said, let me shape that right for you. Like a rodeo cowboy. He said, but I'm not a rodeo cowboy. I'm a country music singer. Mm-hmm. And he said, I haven't earned the right. That's a bull rider. That's a cowboy. I'm not a real cowboy. I'm wearing a hat because I'm a country music singer. So I'll just keep it like this and Wait, let this the real guy. Yeah. And I thought that is really cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, don't pretend, but because George Strait is not pretending. Cody Johnson is not pretending. They, they know how to shape a hat because they're cowboys. Yep. Yep. And they've lived it, loved it. And they're part of the, part of the passion that is rodeo and the Western lifestyle. Yeah. I'll say that a hundred times a year. Nobody in our game gets really rich or very famous, but we all love what we do. We all have a passion for it. And, uh, it's a, uh, it's a wonderful game to be involved in. And you and I have the best job in the world, travel around, brag on our friends and entertain people. Yeah. Greatest job in the world. The travel gets old, but the job is fun. I had a friend, musician, Barry Bales, he plays the bass for Allison Krauss, did for years. And he said, I play for free. I get paid to travel. <laughs> I said, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. That's not always true. <laughs> What, a, at what, when you talk about, yeah, I mean, I've told my story a lot, but was there a moment it clicked? You went, I know you rode bareback horses and you did certain things. Where did you, when did you go, you know what? I have a pretty good voice. I could get paid every day. Was there a moment or did you, there's so many stories of, well, they needed a guy here and needed a guy there to be an announcer or whatever. Yours? You know, in Phoenix, Arizona, I'm still riding bareback horses. And yeah, a guy didn't show up, and if you'll do it, we'll give you a free practice horse. And uh, it kind of evolved from there just to doing the little jackpots and practice deals, and then a few high school rodeos for 100 bucks a day. Or, and then they called from out of town. And this is when it clicked for me. Uh, Arky Keeney, USTRC, Albuquerque. They were having a big team roping in Albuquerque. He called and said, hey, we've been hearing some good things about you. Would you like to come to Galbuquerque and announce one group of our team ropers on Saturday, all day Saturday, and part of the day Sunday or whatever? I said, sure, that sounds good. We'll get a plane ticket, and we'll cover all your expenses, get you a room, pay you 300 a day. 300 a day. I said, this is like stealing. This is, uh, I know exactly. I can't I believe this is happening. I got a microphone and a clean <laughs> pair of underwear. I'm making 300 bucks a day to just go talk on a microphone. You suckers. Oh my gosh. Like stealing. That's when it clicked. And I said, I'm going to start paying attention to this a little bit more. Yeah. Start working a little harder at it. Yeah. But your story is a little like mine in that when you first started, you didn't have these big expectations. So, and I, I see a lot of guys, whether it's an announcer clowns, it's real prominent where, they set out to be there. Mm-hmm. And so they are here and want to skip all this to get there. Sure. In that, not really thinking about it that much, really you're perfecting your craft. Will Absolutely. has talked about that a little bit too. You know, it's a patience without really knowing you're being patient. Uh, all that little stuff you do. One of my favorite writers, Malcolm Gladwell, who has written lots and lots of books great books. He's just a thinker. And uh, he had a chapter in one of his books, maybe the one about the big dog. I don't remember the title of the book. But anyway, one of the chapters was the 10,000 hour rule. And he went back and proved how all of these overnight successes 
were not overnight successes. Mm-hmm. They had 10,000 hours under their belt. The Beatles were playing underground yeah. in clubs for years before they hit it big. And there was 10 other examples of actors and singers and entertainers and mm-hmm. race car drivers and, and, and that they weren't overnight successes. They grew in the grew in the business, learned the business, perfected their craft, and here they are. I'm, I know sometimes I'll tell people that something about work will come up and I'll say, yeah, I worked at Carl Tyler Chevrolet, the dealership there in Missoula uh, when I first got married and I was selling it. What? And I'll say, wait, <laughs> what? You sold cars? Huh? Why? Because I was broke. <laughs> I, uh, had I had 12 rodeos all year. Yeah. I was trying to make, really? You know, it's, oh, yeah. they think it's, oh, it all just When happens. you and I went to Fargo, North Dakota that was my next story. West I had, Fargo. I had to take vacation away from my job so I could go work two rodeos for Bob Barnes and and uh, have that little summertime that we had, and that was in October. So, yeah, I get Ooh. a call. West, not, fall of 94, I, it would have been, wouldn't it, it? I think it was. Uh, that was my first year I was had a PR, was Me in too. the PRCA. Me too. Same That's year. our, we have, uh, <laughs> I told somebody yesterday, Wayne and I, we have a lot of, moments in our careers and connections that are meaningful and i look at some of them go freaking brooks was there yeah west oh, yeah. west fargo north dakota oh, man. in october oh yeah it was gray it was cold and gray Blowing. remember that oh, yeah. and it was in a metal barn Big on the barn. fairgrounds yeah and if you remember, it was one of those like charity rodeos mm-hmm. where the fire department sells tickets and then you have these tickets and you go, should we go to this? Yeah, you, and a lot of them didn't support the children's burn center or the fire department or the children's hospital or whatever. So yeah, they pre-sold the tickets. And then when it comes rodeo time, you may or may not want to go to that event that you were helping support the firemen by buying the tickets. So nobody was there. Nobody in the grandstand. I was there. It's cold. It was cold oh in my there. Gosh. It was oh. <laughs> and I remember we, we didn't know each other. How you doing? Yeah. Wayne Brooks is it. And we ha- I remember having the discussion. We're just starting here. And there was I did a lot of those where I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing? This rodeo biz, oh yeah, pro rodeo wasn't mm-hmm. fun. Because the smaller ones that there's a, it, it, you can, it's easy to get sentimental about, remember when we went to West Fargo? It sucked, man. Yeah, was, I remember leaving on that Sunday afternoon <laughs> after. Mm. I'm not very good at what I'm doing here. I know, I know. And somebody said, well, how was that? How was he announcing? Good, I guess. I We didn't really think about it. We didn't know what we were doing. We just stepped up there and did it to start things off with. And, you know, we could make a reference to lots of different Rodeo announcers and clowns, because that's our business. That's what we do, and we know them all. But I've got to brag on uh, the Roger Moonies of the world that in that period of time of growth where you're perfecting your craft, he was able to go and take a lot of rodeos that didn't have a lot of product and make them fantastic, Uh make them fabulous, because he became part of the show, if not the show in a lot of locations. So for a clown or an announcer to step in, and take a tough spot and really make it good, really make it entertaining. And and when people walk out for them to say, that was a great show. I don't know why, but it was great. Uh-huh. Got to pat those guys on the as back. As long as the people leave thinking 
Sure. Smoke and mirror. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not sure we did that good at Fargo that year. But but I I get it. I get it. Nowadays, when if I walk out and there's 13,000 people in Kansas City in a beautiful, they're beautiful indoor, you know, the Coliseum we go to and people are like, holy crap, great job today. That's easy. You bet. If I go to West Fargo and I make... 200 people laugh and mm-hmm. we entertain ourselves. That is work. That's tough. That's and tough. and I think through those years of going mm-hmm. to Absorkey and Gardner, Montana and West Fargo, North Dakota. And <clears throat> I mean, that's why, you know, you go to Reno on a Friday night with oh. 10,000 people. That's easy, man. I mean, I mean, it's what? really hard. I, but compared to what you go through to get there, absolutely, absolutely, it's easy. Perfecting your craft, it's uh, it's it's looking back, it's been a wonderful journey. But uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of travel, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into what we have today, and where we've grown to be. You know, if it was all done, <clears throat> if it was all over tomorrow, I'd say, well, it was great. It was really great. I don't think it's going to be. I think it's going to go on for a while longer here. For me. But well, I've been getting some calls about you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we are uh, two of the most fortunate guys in the world to be where we're at. Um, there was we talked about this last night too, and I I've told this story a lot. The thing about it, like where I am, and and probably you too, was there uh, before I get to that story because it applies. Did you consciously come up with a style? Did you listen to different people and go, I'm going to take that, take that? We joke all the time. There's a whole generation of rodeo announcers just trying to imitate Bob Tallman. Mm -hmm. So you take a little there. He changed the face of it. Oh, absolutely. Completely. He was radical. It was like, who's this Bob Tallman guy? What Were you conscious of what you wanted to end up sounding like or bring to the table absolutely and i'm sure that you have a hundred stories of this when i was starting out i would i drove to prescott arizona so i could sit quietly and watch and listen to randy corley i got the nfr tape so i could listen to phil gardenhire and bob tallman and hadley barrett do the nfr studied them watched them and stole a little bit from everybody but then thank god i had people like liesel harris that after the performance would go you know, you're trying too hard to do sound like this guy. Don't do that. Be your own guy. Do your yeah. own thing. You can steal a little bit here and there from the great Hadley Barrett and Bob Tallman and, and Clem McSpadden and Zoop Dove and the, all of the guys that got us to where we're at today. But if you try to sound too much like them, you're going to ruin yourself. You're not going to do any good. People know it. They'll understand it. And it's a phony deal. So you've got to develop your own thing. And... uh you know, Jim Bob Feller, Clem McSpadden, Liesl Harris, uh, Ted Kimsey, mm-hmm. all those kind of guys would come and say, mm, when I first started, you're not doing that right. You need to do this a little differently because you're sounding too much like that guy or that guy or that guy. You need to develop your own thing. Thank God those those people were there to straighten me out. Liesl was, uh, you know, when I came around and ended up at the NFR at receptions and different things, I was pretty young. I was... 30 Mm -hmm. and I was doing things a little different and I, you know, people should know we're, it's not all rainbows, 
farting rainbows and <laughs> riding unicorns. Yeah, and neon. <laughs> I won't say what Bob Tallman. <laughs> it's something. It's all something it's and pool parties. Uh, but uh, I wasn't. It didn't have that many friends and people who wanted to help. But Liesel Harris always mm-hmm. did. That mm-hmm. guy for people who know him, they understand. You know, he was just one of the greatest rodeo clowns. Of all time and brilliant. Comedic timing. Incredible. He was on Heenaw. He was on TV. Yeah. Yeah. And he, but he was secure enough in what he was doing and had been doing it long enough. He'd catch me in Vegas. I hear you're doing good. You keep doing what makes you unique. Same thing. Mm -hmm. He was, the confident ones, the secure ones would help. Mm -hmm. Not afraid to help. Absolutely. Yeah, this, uh, this game, whether you're great at an individual event in rodeo or a great bullfighter or a great, great clown or a great announcer or whatever, it's not done by yourself. Mm-hmm. Huge family of people behind you to help you navigate the waters. It's not working the Calgary Stampede or the NFR. It's how you get there and how you get the job done. And you can't do that without a lot of help. So if you're smart enough to listen, you can get there. But there's a lot of guys that they got a chip on their shoulder. I, I got it. I know what I'm doing. I can do it myself. Even young guys. Don't need your help. The I'm young good. guys. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. That might be a little tough on you. Yeah. Uh, when I asked about your style and being conscious of it, because really, and the only place to try it is to throw it out there mm-hmm. for all those people. Do you practice? You kind of in the car go over things in your head. I write little songs. You know, I've had two or three different songs that I've used, mm-hmm. rewrites. There's only one place to know if yeah. it's going to work. Yep, throw it out there. You got to throw and it I out have, there. I have said to you several times before, you want to use my pen to scratch that one off the list? <laughs> I always do that. I, I do this. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what, you know what I learned? When, and I have said this a lot. When I was a little kid, I had trouble sleeping, which I still do. And I'd come down the stairs and look around the corner. My mom and dad be watching Johnny Carson. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd watch. And I thought Johnny Carson was the funniest, even oh, as yeah. a little kid, when it didn't work. Oh, yeah. And he'd go. Oh, <sighs> you yeah. know, he'd put his hands in his pocket. So I started doing this. <laughs> Scratching it off the <laughs> We have laughed over that. And me too. Same thing on my end of it. I'll play, you know, say something that I think's cool, funny, this awesome. It's going to be. <laughs> so, pretty, I had experienced success in my career. I've been to the NFR and. <clears throat> and that's really when it gets fun. I, I didn't know when I was starting. I was so intimidated at the thought of ever leaving Montana, going to big rodeos and how I'd get treated. I learned fast that the bigger and better the rodeo, the better you get treated. That's why it's so fun to get the big rodeos. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, like spring in California. You bet. Red Bluff, Clovis. Oh my God. Redding. Redding. Yep. We're in Redding. Yep. I said, Wayne, I got to talk to you. <laughs> I've built this thing and I have an idea <laughs> for this new clown act. And anytime you hear new clown act in the right. rodeo business, 
Oh, All right, oh, new. Oh, it's no. a. I have this car. Okay, that's not new. <laughs> but it was new, and you and I bounced. It was my Lord of the Clowns dance of the dance decades. of the decades. Yeah. And, and by the time we got to day number three, there it was really good. <laughs> And because was, the first couple of days we tweaked it, and yeah. changed it. You did a few things different, and I did a few things different to help you. And uh, it turned into be one of the greatest acts you've ever had in, ever in thirty years. Yeah, where I do the sixties and the, and I go and I had a box of clothes, so it looked like I was changing. I built hinged, still have all of that. By oh, the yeah, way. the piano. They, they, by the way, Flint Raz, he never did clown acts. I still have them. So yeah. I proved the piano, yeah. but the Lord of the Clowns, we walk out and those California rodeos, Northern California, they are wild and they're packed. And we, I took that out there and I was so nervous <laughs> and it had music cues and it had, and you're out there on your horse and you can, I know you could see me. Just, oh yeah. Mm. still sweat. Dripping down. Yeah. Yeah. And, <clears throat> they stood up and cheer because that my philosophy always was, and I tell young guys this, what are you good at? What can you do? And we've seen Keith Isley did it and John Harrison did it where they were trick riders. Mm -hmm. You bet. So they made an act. Troy Lurwell was a motocross rider, made an yeah. act out of it. Mm -hmm. What can you do? Well, I could dance and I loved music. So end it with the old Cotton Eyed Joe yeah. Irish dance in it. Yep. Uh, that's yeah, it sold like hotcakes and it, and it still does. Still does. I mean, I'm sure you still, uh, I bet you've done it or a, a portion of it in the last yeah. two months. I'm sure you have parts of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. take parts of it. Take a little. I'll, I'll brag on you just for a little bit here because I've had so many young guys in the clown business that are coming up and still coming up right now that ask for advice. You know, what is it about Lisa Harris or you or whomever that makes them stand out? What, what, what's special? What's the key? What's the deal? And I've told them all so many, many times that you were original in talking about and reacting to what's happening right there, right now, today, in the arena. The paper floating through the air at Red Bluff. The lady that had too much beer that falls over the rail at Clovis. Uh, the, you know, bald-headed guy that got his shirt off, swinging it around in the grandstand. All of those things are happening right here, right now, in this moment in time. Mm -hmm. And you always use that to the best of your ability. There's some old great stuff like the snake in the in the arena. Yeah. From the, the watch uh, this guy, he's gonna sneak up. <laughs> <laughs> she's a big mama. She's he's a, a big male. She's a big bloody time. male. Uh, <laughs> that are old great yeah. great standby stuff that you want to keep tucked in your bag in case you need it. But reacting to. Uh, Original things that are happening right now was always your strong point. But you do that. You guys do Try that. Sim uh, you you have to stick to sure that your biggest. I think an announcer. I think probably the most important thing is. Well, my dad used to say this: the old rodeo announcer. Who's next? Who is it? What was our score? What was our time? Right. That's cr that's critical. Critical. You kind of build around that. Sure. Right? Then you sure. give some credentials and you, right? Sure. I mean, there's a basic, you do have to stick to an outline. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you don't, you'll get caught. And in the world of social media today, you hear about it within five minutes. 
So, yeah, you got to pay attention to what's going on as the announcer. But that's why it's so nice for a clown to be able to be, to be able to free roll. Just get out there and freewheel. Do what feels good. Do what looks good. Talk about the weather, the cars in the parking lot. The It's all there. Oh, it's it's all the You're, ingredients you need are right there in front of you. Yeah, you, you give them a little something, mm-hmm. and they'll give a little back to you. Mm-hmm. And what do you do with what they give back to you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, I'll tell you another thing that's that I tell a lot of young guys, and I, I truly believe this is a thing, a thing, is uh, everybody wants to be very busy and involved in the whole performance. And we'll talk about the bald-headed guy for 10 seconds, calling attention to that. Or the beer garden that's jam-packed full and they're having a great time for 10 seconds. And then something else for 10, which takes me away from that, okay, I want to interact with the clown. I want to be part of the program here. I want to help you. But that's the end of the statement. That's the end of what we're doing for 10 seconds. Okay, let's go back to where we were at here. Here's the cowboy. This is the last score. Here's who's up next. Here's where we're going. Taking the moment in time to take it for a minute, minute and a half, two minutes. Hey, Wayne, I got something for you. Have at it. That's what you always did. And I always thought that was great, 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 because it gives me a little break. I can grab a drink of water. you got to reset your brain. But you gotta, yeah. when you take it, let me tell you about what's going on over here at this location right now with these people that are having a great time. And then tell the story and maybe interact with them a little bit and have something a little bit funny to talk about that's going on right there for a block of time. Minute, minute, and a half, two minutes. And then stay out. Stay gone. I know where you're at. I can see you, but you're not just, you know, kicking the door down, wanting in. That was always refreshing. Always love that. And there's some other guys that do the same thing. Oh, yeah. Great at it, too. Absolutely. Um, What, uh, you have the NFR, Wrangler NFR coming up. Yes, sir. I always said, even when I was doing the NFR, you work all year doing your job a certain way that has brought you success. And when you get to the NFR, they tell you to do it another way. (laughs) Do you still fly in two weeks early and get retrained how to announce, or have you gotten out of that now? No, the new guy, Alan Reinheimer, super good guy to be around, and he worked under Sean Davis for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has changed that to where we're coming into town two or three days early, uh, just one trip, and rehearsing and going over some stuff and changing you know a few little things here and there. But uh, that two weeks ahead of time trip is gone. Thank goodness. Well, well, and and there are some things at the NFR in in what you guys are instructed to do uh, that I can pick up that people may not like. Do you still? I, I tell me if I'm wrong. Don't say anything during the ride. We still it, hang on to that. Hang on, because to, it's, yeah. it's worked. I very I agree well. with you. It has worked. I, I very agree well. that yeah. I, that is. Really, when you really break down what the job is about, there's really nothing needs to be said, especially at the NFR because everything it's sells all the best itself. of the best. Yeah, it's supposed to be cream of the crop, cream of the crop. <laughs> so yeah, it's every ride, every run supposed to be very good because it's the best people in our industry. So we shouldn't have to hype them up. So to answer your question, we're not a hundred percent stay out of that ride. You know, that's loosened up a little bit where we yeah. can jump in there a little bit if we need to. But uh, 
if it's not broke, don't fix it. It works pretty good. Yeah. That, that portion of it. But the NFR, for those that are uh, wanting to go there and work it as a clown or as an announcer, as a bullfighter, whatever. And those that will uh, go and work it when I'm not there, perhaps. What you don't realize is the components that are involved. Four or five hundred components of things that happen in two hours. Mm-hmm. When we go to Red Bluff and Redding and Clovis and Pendleton, three and a half, four hours, it's okay. No big deal. Three hours, three and a half, four. It's okay. That's how those rodeos are. And people don't mind it. NFR, a little different mindset, in and out in two hours. So you got to hit your marks, hit your marks, hit your marks, hit your marks, and don't, don't mess up because it messes up the other guy. So you don't mess up your other guy and don't mess up the sound guy. So hit your marks, hit your marks, hit your marks, and stay on top of everything, all that information for two hours solid, nonstop. That's the challenging part. I can say I have said for years, I don't know what you get paid at the NFR. I have no idea. I don't want to know. Maybe I'll ask you later. <laughs> I have said it is the most overworked, underpaid job oh. at, at in rodeo uh, because of what you have to pull off. At the end of two hours, you do this. Oh, my gosh, yes. Every day. Every day. And then you have a meeting to know when the next, when you have a meeting to find out when the next meeting is. And rehearsal. You know, back in the day, we had uh, lots of Vegas stuff, dancing girls and things like that. Remember those rehearsals that last till midnight? Mm -hmm. I was at a couple of those. Lots of days. So, yeah, wonderful event. Love going. Thrilled to be picked to be there. Great, great rodeo, but it's a workhorse. Yeah. It's challenging. Yeah, I know. I feel like, well, I, <laughs> I see people now that the clown barrel man, they'll say, oh, man, that guy sucks. He didn't do anything. He's not allowed to do You're anything. You're not supposed to. Yeah. It is. The, the job of the barrel man at the NFR is a voted position. It's an honor to make some money in December to be, to say, to have that buckle that said mm-hmm. you were the Nat- Wrangler National Finals Rodeo barrel man is what it's about because really – you're not carrying a show. You're, I, I, I luckily or whatever had the opportunity to do more than anyone else. And there was days I'm like, no, I just want to stand out there like everybody else. I wore a microphone there. You were lucky because that changed. Yeah. It changed, you know, kind of after the time you were there in the sense that uh, the, the general manager wanted it fast, clean, smooth, no extra if we can keep from it. We're yep. just go, 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 go. Two hours, it's over. We're done. Thank yep. you. And you didn't need to say a word. And that was that was his mentality, and mm-hmm. it's worked again. Yeah. I, I, Sean Davis and I, who he re, general manager of the NFR forever, we had a good relationship. He trusted me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and so I was lucky in that sense that we – but it's never, it's funny how lucky you are when you work hard. We, we have a philosophy to be a success in this business. There's really two major keys. Work your ass off and don't be a douche. That's our, <laughs> but don't you think uh, you, you're, you've won the announcer of the year award five times. And I've driven this home to my girls. You have to your kids. There's a half of that is how you treat people out here. Oh, absolutely. Committee people. And, I, I hate, here's a word I hate. You know what word I hate? No. Politics. Mm-hmm. Now, in politics, it's one thing. Oh, you know, I'm here politicking. No, I'm being good to people because be nice guess to people, what? Because so, I want to keep my job. That's what they remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It plays a big role though, doesn't it? It does. 
You've heard this story, I'm sure. My first pro rodeo was with Randy Corley in Phoenix in 94, before you and I went to Fargo that year. And he said, because I'm just soaking it all in, soaking it all in, trying to learn. What do I need to do? This guy's won 10 times an hour of the year. And when we were all said and done there, four or five performances, whatever it was at the time, he said, I'm going to give you the best advice in the world as a young announcer, and this is going to help you for the rest of your years to come. I'm like, got to be something to write with. (laughs) Right here. Paper, hold on, (laughs) hold on. Okay, I'm ready. Go for it. He goes, do the very, very best job you can do and be nice to people, and you'll move ahead. So how the hell's Corley? How the hell's Corley successful? Then no, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, I thought that's the crappiest advice I've ever gotten in the world. No, pretty good advice, especially uh, like you said it earlier. You have 38 different bosses all year. Absolutely. So every you may have just you may be at the end of a three month run. And you get to this rodeo and you'd rather slam your privates in a car door mm-hmm. than still be on the road. And you go to the Thursday night committee dinner and they're freaking, yeah, it's oh, our yeah. rodeo. Oh, yeah. You might not want to. And you got to walk that fine line between here to do a job, but damn it. And hopefully they all have name tag. Hey, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. Yeah. And you, but you do get in that and, moment. And I'm You're, excited to be here too. Yeah, and you, but you get energized oh, yeah. because oh, yeah. of their energy. It's a, it's a line to walk for sure. It's, uh, it's those volunteers who are absolutely 110% the most important people in the world. Cause this business wouldn't exist without them. If you had to pay everybody that parked the cars and sold the pop, you'd have any, no money left. It wouldn't be profitable. So without the volunteers, we wouldn't be successful. And they are the very most important people in the world. So when you do show up and you are tired and you've been on the road for three months, you still want those people to understand how much you appreciate what they do. Yeah. You, we know you've been to the meetings. We know you've repainted the arena. We know you've built some new grandstands. We know you've got a new parking lot for people to park in. Thank you for doing all that work. So I can come to your town and be part of it. Yeah. It's, it's funny because the rodeo in so many towns, the rodeo is the biggest event of the year. Sure, um, sure. Heard an interview before I came out here today, as a matter of fact. Part of an interview with uh, Bono, the U2, sure. the rock band lead singer. Sure. He said, you, go, you tour and you tour and you tour and you're doing a concert on a Tuesday night somewhere and you realize, you look out there and go, you got to make this concert like Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then he said, no, wait a second. We got to make this Tuesday night feel like New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. I just heard that and I thought, mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Whatever night it is, whatever town you're in, that's their party. Absolutely. And it's that's their event. Absolutely. And you got to, it, it's a, it's, should put it this way. It's an honor that they trust us mm-hmm. to bring that every week. Absolutely. So Absolutely. Lots and lots of blood, sweat, and tears, and hard work going to these events, and thank God that they are. Because uh, we talked about this a little bit as well. It's an ever-changing environment. This this business is changing again, uh, going this direction. And is it is it okay? Yeah. Can it needs to come back a little more to the left? I don't know. So it's an ever-changing environment that we have to keep... Uh, Keep watching and keep changing with it and help it move the right direction to make it be all that it can be. Be entertaining and fun and 
uh, whether it's summertime outdoors or inside in a building in the wintertime, doesn't matter. Do you like one better than the other? Do, uh, indoor, the winter indoor rodeos or outside? Or is it? No, not really. Yeah, I, you know, because uh, the summertime, you can brag on those all day long, summertime. Uh, you know, sunshine and cold beer and big arenas and huge grandstands and the best cowboys and the best seven or eight, the best stock contractors are all there and it's under the sunshine and it's outdoors and it's a perfect day at 75 degrees, you know. You hope. Hopefully. <laughs> you can brag on those all day long because those are wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But as you know, because you've been in more pristine buildings than I have, it's kind of nice to go in and... You have lighting and... Marble uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> nice carpet on the floor and uh, fresh water bottle there on the announcer stand ready for where they just cleaned it up and it's all nice and tight. Those pristine it, buildings are nice to be part of too. To determine which one you like better, it's like seasons though. You know, you sure. go all winter and you're inside. And, um, you know, I was doing rodeos and PBRs in the winter. So I was inside. You get to April, you go to Logandale, Nevada and Red Bluff, California. Yay, outside. <laughs> Oh, and then it would rain on a Thursday, but mm-hmm. yeah, there mm-hmm. everywhere has its own. Sure. Deal. And by the time summer's over and you run into some of those rainstorm, muddy messes, like we had sisters, Oregon this year. Ugh. Oh my gosh. Ugh. It was that deep the whole time. I've never seen it rain like that in 20 years. And so it was a fight. Fans still showed up. They're like football fans mm-hmm. on their coats and slickers and come on out. They were still there. God bless the fans that come to that event. But uh, after two or three of those in the summertime, by the time fall rolls around, it's time to go to the building again. Yeah, I'm ready right. to go yeah. over the building. I, I, I marked in my head one time, does sister still have two performances on Saturday? Yes. So mm-hmm. I was, it was the Saturday afternoon performance. And I, I remember I'm making a mark in my brain right now <laughs> that this is true. It's always around the 10th of June, right in there. Right. Remember, Tuesday or the Saturday afternoon performance, I looked and it was snowing. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll never forget Sisters Rodeo, Saturday afternoon, it snowed. Then we had a Saturday night performance and it was brutal. Cold. And And they're like Green Bay Packer fans. Those people just put on another layer and keep showing up and woo. There was two, that Saturday night, there was some empty seats. And I'll never forget two ladies standing up there in long fur coats. And they did this and they had bikinis on it. (laughs) Is that right? Uh, I never got told that story before. uh, Thank you very much. There you go. Well, um, I'm glad I caught you in town. Glad to be Uh, here. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you and Logan and the crew for uh, having this, having this avenue having this vehicle yeah for rodeo because again changing changing times and uh you know hopefully you'll have 2.5 million people listening to your podcast before it's all said and done because getting that word out that our industry is awesome it's wonderful we love it passion get the message we out hope there, hopefully. Yeah. thanks buddy appreciate it